You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning to you. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. You can text on WhatsApp 0862-103-103 or indeed email jp at c103.ie. You can email us this morning at jp at c103.ie or indeed tweet at c103cork. Just news coming in to me here of a crash which has happened near McCroom in the last few minutes. It's a multiple car collision. Just as you enter McCroom, there is roadworks going on there at the moment near Coolcower and already they are causing significant delays that this accident now is causing further delays so if you're uh, going from McCroom to Cork or heading from Cork to McCroom uh, you will notice those delays at the moment due to that collision uh, just outside McCroom uh, near Coolcower on the entrance there to McCroom from the city side. Uh, delays there at the moment. Uh, they may ease uh, once the accident is dealt with, but th- that's the latest situation there. If you are stuck in traffic heading into McCroom this morning or trying to leave McCroom and head to Cork City. So what's ahead on this morning's show? A lot of calls over the last few days asking what's going to happen now to the county mayor's position now that uh, Christopher O'Sullivan has been elected to the Dáil and he's off to Dublin. What happens now to that particular position of county mayor? Does the next person step up? Or how do they work around who will fill the role for the next few months? Because I think Christopher would have been in that particular role until June, in the May, June, July maybe. Uh, so there's a few months left in that. So we'll find out what indeed is going to happen or what, does anybody know what will happen to that particular role? And the Irish Catholic Church, uh, this morning and yesterday, a lot of talk from the Catholic Church because the Pope, Pope Francis, has sidelined an issue from the Amazon and allowing priests to marry and they feel if priests were allowed to marry, that then there would be an uptake in priests in the region. As the moment they are like here in Ireland, uh, they're finding it hard to attract people into the priesthood. So because of that, there's a lot of talk about what needs to happen with the Irish Catholic Church. And one parish priest has come out and he feels it needs major change. And that change will come from the people also. And the big thing here is when you see masses and if you go to any mass, you'll notice the attendance is falling. And yet then you will see in some parishes over the last number of years whereby you will have mass in one church one Sunday and then you'll have it in another church in that parish on the next Sunday. But then when it comes to the situation of the sacraments, for example, communion and confirmation, the churches have to organise marquees because everybody wants to be in the church and then people are giving out that they cannot be in the church and have to sit in a marquee outside the church to view their loved ones receiving the sacraments on that particular day, whether that be communion or, or confirmation or whatever. Uh, but yes, when it comes to the ordinary weekends, the churches are struggling to get numbers in. But on the big days, everybody wants to be part of the church. So does the church need to reform itself because if people are queuing up to go to funerals and to go to communion, confirmations, people still obviously want to have a connection to the church. But they don't want the connection 100%. They just want it when there's times of fear in their lives, bad health, again, funerals and things like that. So what kind of reform does the church need? Or then, if it does reform, is it going away from its teachings and is that diluting the church? Your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. We'll be speaking with the parish priest who has come out about that and is asking the question on what needs to happen and reform with the Irish Catholic Church. That is Father Roy Donovan, who is the parish priest in Cahar Conlish in Limerick, or Cahar Conlish in Limerick 
and he'll be joining us later in the programme. Online scams and phone scams. Uh, not a day goes by that we get a call here from someone saying that they have received another phone scam from someplace across the world or indeed an online scam claiming to be either from revenue or claiming to be from air. And we always advise the precautions here, but there seems to be more and more of these scams over the last four to five months. And because of that this morning, we're going to be joined by Fraudsmart who deal with online scams and also the Garda Corner are going to join us in studio on what indeed they can do and what measures people need to take, not only uh, for private houses but also for businesses. A number of businesses are being caught by these invoice scams which are doing the rounds over the last a year or two years or more. Uh, you would have heard that on our own Garda file. And also then uh, the situation of fake websites. Yesterday, Cork Airport have come out and they themselves have said that they had to issue a warning because a fake website, which looks very like Cork Airport's website, is giving away free holidays, but it needs your bank details or credit card numbers when you get to the next stage and they're warning people it's a scam. So the only thing is, while the majority of people know it's a scam, you still will have people who will ring here and ring wherever and basically say, but it might not be a scam. I'll just chance it and see what happens. And that's the message Fraud Smart are trying to get home is that if you know it's a bit dodgy, stay away from it uh, because people are still being caught. And while people are caught, these scam artists will continue to hit Ireland with their online scams and indeed their phone scams. And on the election again, and as I said, we will be speaking to the county mayor on what's going to happen with that position. But also, there's a position now open in the Labour Party because Brendan Howland yesterday evening announced that he'll be stepping down as leader of the Labour Party. And Sean Sherlock, Labour deputy in Cork East, re-elected in the election, has said that he's not going to take up or go for the leadership of Labour. Many thought he would be one of the key people in Labour to go for that leadership, but he has said no. So we'll try and talk to Sean as well, if we can, between now and one, plus our Garda file. And if there's any pets in your house uh, that you do have a question about or want an answer on, well, Jane is along later, our, our, our vet, after 12.30. If you want to get some advice on a pet in your household, contact us now. We'll pass on the question to Jane, who will join us in studio after 12.30. or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862 and the elections still in the news as more and more try to form a government. Uh, today, seemingly, senior Fianna Fáil TDs are demanding to serve in opposition as they rule out a coalition with either Sinn Féin or Fianna Gael. But Mary Lou, of course, the leader of Sinn Féin, is going to seemingly anyhow meet Fianna Fáil's Michal Martin today in the bid to see what they can do in forming a government or what they can do anyhow in, in the talks to form a government. And we spoke to Deputy Michael Collins yesterday, the independent deputy for Cork South West, who topped the poll there. And he... And he was saying this yesterday that he was going to come along with other uh, independents who were elected to the Dáil and form some type of group as they did the last time uh, to see who they will form a government with. And obviously he, whoever does uh, form a government and whoever does want the support of independence, the, all the independents want something to justify uh, something good for their area. So uh, there's a number of issues he wrote yesterday from roads to Bantry Hospital to other issues. They want the guarantee that all these services will be improved over time. So whoever 
the independents choose for government, that's the one thing that the government will have over them the whole time they're in government because if they don't please the independents, the independents can just say, well, you're not giving me this, so we're walking away. And with this now, the five independent cities have come together to form the Rural Independent Group. One of those is Michael Collins, and he says the group will talk to any party now hoping to form a government, but they have not been contacted as yet. So interesting to see what will happen with that particular group and who indeed will approach them. Uh, so it's still all up for grabs and who will talk to who in that issue there as well uh, which came out yesterday while we were on air Leo Varadkar coming out uh, who is now leader of Fine Gael admitting that he will be in the opposition benches but he has said if his party is needed for numbers he will support a government and what everybody got out of that yesterday when we were discussing it and we spoke with our political correspondent Sean Defoe we put it to him as well and it's basically what could be a reversal of what we had for the last four years instead of having Fianna Fáil propping up Fianna Gael we could have Fianna Gael propping up Fianna Fáil and that would be to keep Sinn Féin out of the government and the running for government and obviously then they'd need some other party like the Greens more or less to come in and uh, form a, a government with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael propping them up that could happen yet and that would leave Sinn Féin then out of the loop because the numbers would be there anyhow we'll have to wait and see what happens there's a lot of negotiations and a lot of talk to happen over the next uh, number of weeks not a mind days and Valentine's Day is tomorrow of course well if you're on Facebook, they were going to have a huge announcement just hours before Valentine's Day kicked in, but they have been forced to postpone their new dating service, not only here in Ireland, but across Europe. But it's an Irish story because the regulator here in Ireland, the Ireland Data Protection Commission, they stepped in. They basically questioned Facebook's operation on this new dating site and agents were sent to the social media's offices in Dublin because Facebook had not given information or documentation concerning this new service. Facebook dating seemingly is an opt-in feature which allows users to create a separate dating profile to their existing Facebook account. And this obviously has left the uh, social media uh, giants a bit red-faced ahead of Valentine's Day. Uh, you'd wonder how, how that dating thing would go with them because Facebook can be a very negative place at times. Fantastic service if you have people living abroad and you can see their photos and, and chat to them and all of that. But also now you have, I suppose, WhatsApp, even though owned by Facebook and so is Instagram. But there seem to be less, especially Instagram seems to be a more a happier place. Whereas the negativity on Facebook, no matter what you read, someone always has a has a negative uh, jibe or has a negative comment to make on something. So whereas Facebook was the big thing for everybody to join when it came to social media, a lot of people are just staying away from it because it's just so negative and doom and gloom on Facebook. So interesting to see how that dating aspect will take off because I think Instagram, if you're into your social media, has overtaken Facebook by people who want to look at what's happening online uh, rather than reading this, that and the other thing and scams, etc. on Facebook. Anyway, uh, something that our listeners have raised over the last number of days. We discussed it here on the show. We discussed it yesterday and again at the start of the week. And this is the issue of the prices at the pumps. Crude oil, as we know, is dropping. But again, and we had a good chat about this yesterday and a lot of people came in with their various amounts of uh, price in Cork when it comes to getting petrol and diesel. And motorists are questioning why prices haven't fallen in line with the crude oil prices. Now, uh, some are saying that retailers are being accused of being opportunistic with this and taking profits from the failure to cut prices at the pumps. Uh, what has happened is, and we've we got a lot of calls yesterday, the majority of prices still remaining between 1.32 and 1.37, while up the country in some areas, people were noticing diesel uh, was at a lower price of maybe 1.25 and were asking why or how come this hasn't dropped in Cork. And East Cork was looking 
expensive. But then we got a number of calls yesterday from various parts of the county whereby there was diesel for sale at 1.28 and 1.27. And they were mainly coming uh, from the East Cork area. So maybe prices are in some stations dropping, but not in all. And people now feel there could be some type of cartel or why are they uh, still using the prices they have when they should have reduced them a number of cents at this stage and they have not. Well, it's come out now that both the Consumer Association and others are looking into this and that's something we'll go back to on tomorrow's show. But in fairness, it's something our listeners picked up on on Monday and we have been discussing that all week and again yesterday. Uh, people give you examples of what prices were uh, and it's something we'll touch on the show tomorrow uh, on why now uh, and does do we need some type of measure here in this country whereby the prices fall uh, when it comes to crude oil and when they fall then petrol stations should react within one week or, or 10 days whereas when prices go up and when we hear there's a situation in the Middle East and crude oil prices increased before the actual oil would hit Ireland, prices increase. They increase fairly fast when we see an increase in the Middle East, but when we see a decrease, we're still waiting for them to fall. Anyhow, angering a lot of people this morning and indeed during the week, and rightly so. And uh, Joe Brody, and everybody knows Joe Brody, he was the pundit for GAA coverage on RTE, and he was taken off that because he made a controversial remark about a referee in an All-Ireland football final last September. Well, now three independent councillors have lodged a formal motion with Clare County Council calling on RTE to reinstate Joe Brody as a sports pundit. So he's not appeared on the national broadcaster because of those particular comments. Basically, Brody gave out about the referee on the day. He was from Meath. His name was David Gaw, and he was clearly influenced uh, many people said by the propaganda coming from Kerry at that time uh, but then the other side of it is he is a pundit so is he right to give his view or did he get too personal I suppose everybody's right to give their view but uh, with players and indeed with referees if you do get too personal is it an attack on the person and is that taking it a step too far whereas you can say the decisions you felt were not right but not attack the person is it, get, is it just getting too personal I'm not too sure anyhow on that the three councillors Peter Norton, Jerry Flynn and Anne Norton, they are going to speak in favour of the motion when it comes to the floor of the council in next Monday's meeting. And even though Joe Brody has appeared in other TV stations, I think he's a pundit now on Air Sport, uh, they all say they found him entertaining and interesting and they want him back on RTE, the national broadcaster, even though I know Joe Brody has made a few appearances on uh, other channels such as Air Sport and those. Anyhow, your views, welcome on that. 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 86 103 But the county mayor position. What is going to happen now to that particular position as the county mayor is heading to Dáil Éireann? Discussing that next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. None of the elections are over. We got some calls over the last few days and texts asking what is going to happen to the position of county mayor now that Christopher O'Sullivan is elected to Dáil Éireann. Well, Christopher O'Sullivan joins me on this. Good morning to you, Christopher. Morning, John Paul. How are things? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. Okay, you got the second seat in Cork South West, and you're probably getting your head around now the fact that you are going to be travelling up and out to Dublin quite a lot. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly what I'm uh, doing at the moment, John Paul. We're on the way up to uh, Dublin for our first parliamentary party meeting. It's at 12 o'clock in, in Leinster House, so uh, getting my head around it, but, you know, as you can imagine, there wasn't much sleep had uh, on Sunday night or Monday night either, for that matter. So uh, I got my first proper night's sleep last night, so it's starting to sink in, and um, it's just it's such a, a huge honour. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted 
it's a huge honour, but it's also a huge responsibility because um, Cork's so west, as we all know, it's an amazing place, it's an amazing region, um, and I really do not want to let the people of Cork's so west down. So that, that responsibility uh, sits on my shoulders, but I'm uh, more than willing to take it on and uh, be the best representative I can um, and shout for West Cork, shout for um, rural parts of Ireland, rural parts of West Cork that um, have felt let down, I guess, by previous administrations, which I think explains um, the results in Cork South West. When you see the the uh, vote obtained by the independent Michael Collins and um, the fact that there was no Fine Gael, uh, candidate returned. So that's something that's uh, very high on my agenda and um, I'm excited about the challenge, but uh, I'm, I'm ready for it. And I know I asked you this at about 4.30am into Monday morning, but were you disappointed? Your running mate, Martin Murphy, a man, he did not make it. And was it a good idea for Fianna Fáil to run to in Cork South West? Did you think you'd get a, a bigger vote to bring two seats? Um, of course I'm disappointed. Uh, it would have been, it would certainly have made my life a lot easier if we had returned uh, two Fianna Fáil uh, TDs. Um, you know, Margaret, in fairness to her, had done some Trojan work over the previous four years um, and and deserved it. But um, at the outset of the election, I did think that there was an outside chance, but I don't think any of us could really have predicted uh, the surge in vote, I suppose, to the to the left and to, to the likes of Sinn Féin and the Social Democrats. And although I think we all knew that Michael Collins would top the poll, uh, to the extent he did, it was a bit of a surprise. So simply, Paul, the votes, uh, the votes weren't there, so it was the right uh, call to run two candidates because if we had run uh, one, and if I wasn't at it, um, I'd wonder if we would have returned any seat at all. You know, so uh, I think we got that right. Um, but yeah, I look uh, my my um, commiserations to Margaret. Uh, she was a fantastic representative for my party, a fantastic representative for Cork South West. Um, now I step into that role uh, and. Again, that responsibility is there because Margaret did such a great job. I need to, to fill those shoes, uh, but put my own stamp on things as well. And what's your view now on Fianna Fáil, who seemingly today Mary Lou Macdonald of Sinn Féin is going to go and chat with uh, Fianna Fáil, their, your leader Michal Martin, about making her, or at least attempting to see if they can make a coalition. Uh, do you agree that Fianna Fáil should go in with Sinn Féin, or would you rather Fianna Fáil opt out and not form a government with Sinn Féin? First of all, I'd love to be a fly in the wall in that conversation, that's for sure. But um, listen, I, we're, we're heading up to the parliamentary party now. Uh, I've really been focusing on starting out a constituency office, which is really important for me to serve the people of Cork the West. Um, I'm focusing on starting out a, an office in Dublin and getting my affairs together in Dublin. Um, so there's so much for me to think about, and the potential government formation is something that I'm I'm going to keep an open mind on. Uh, I prefer to speak to my parliamentary party colleagues to hear what they have to say, to hear their views. There's going to be a lot of different views. I want to listen to my constituents, who will also have different views. It must be remembered that look, Sinn Féin didn't return a candidate in Cork South West, neither did Fianna Gael. So are those two options something that the people of, of Cork South West want? But outside what Cork South West wants, what's the best solution in terms of the national interest? So there's so many... Uh, different permutations and possibilities are really just, I, I want to keep an open mind because at the same time, look, if you take the Sinn Féin uh, argument and, and, and that uh, potential coalition, I think we were all disappointed, for example, to hear the, the comments made by David Colnan and, uh, you know, on, the, on his election. 
um, something that you know we didn't want to really hear. Um, and I, I, I know a lot of probably Sinn Féin supporters didn't necessarily want to hear either. So that kind of puts a taint on things. But at the same time, the people have spoken and, and voted for Sinn Féin in quite large numbers. Um, so look, there, there's, there, there, there's so many things. I'm just going to keep an open mind for now. I'm going to talk to my constituents, get their views, and, and have a discussion with my parliamentary party members as well and get their views. But that's not to say that I won't be um, sharing my views at this parliamentary party meeting. I have... Uh, I have my own ideas. Look, I, I feel as a party, while well, we returned one seat in Corkso West, and I'm so thankful to the people who voted for me, who supported for me, who canvassed for me, who knocked on doors, who put up posters. Um, at the same time, as a party, I feel that we uh, there's there's a um, there's a category of voters there that we have we're not appealing to, and uh, particularly younger voters. Uh, and we have to look at ourselves uh, as a party. I think in terms of how we can reach out to those younger voters. Uh, and that's, you know, that all has to be thrown into the mix. And Anne here on text is saying that Michal Martin should call an emergency Ardesh uh, to ask Fianna Fáil membership about going into a coalition government with Sinn Féin. Would you agree with Anne on that, ask your members? Yeah. Look, yeah, you have to listen to your membership, don't you? I mean, um, there was talks of possibly a national-type convention uh, if uh, certain... Uh, coalitions have been muted. Uh, you know, there's talks of being a Fianna Gael coalition with, with the Greens. There's talks of being a Fianna Sinn Féin thing. These are massive, massive calls. Um, but they're calls that have to be, I suppose, uh, agreeable to Fianna Fáil membership. But also, look, we have to look at the bigger picture here as well. Um, there may be some candidates who would rule out certain coalitions because put their seat at jeopardy. Um, but do we need to look at the bigger picture in terms of where we're going as a party? Um, we're being described by many um, in the media uh, and other opponents as being some type of uh, right-wing party. And that's not what we are. I'm certainly not a right-wing uh, politician. Um, we are the original centre-left party who represented the good working people of Ireland, who represented rural Ireland. And we as a party need to get back to that. So, again, look, I... I uh, you're not getting much out of me in terms of where I think we should go because I think I, I want to have that parliamentary party meeting and I want to consult with my constituents, but I am keeping an open mind. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying, really. And the main reason we invited you on was the fact that we got a number of calls and texts asking what happens now, uh, Christopher, to the county mayor role that you had over the last nearly a year at this stage. Is it that someone would be co-opted into your position or does it go to the next person in line for the county mayor? Well, firstly, look, it's with a heavy heart uh, that I've had to give up the chains because being mayor um, was a highlight of my career, uh, both personally and politically. It, it was absolutely immense to travel the length and breadth of Cork County, uh, meet people, meet community groups who are doing so much for the county, um, meet festival organisers, launch festivals, open festivals, uh, visiting schools. Visiting schools was incredible and, and meeting young people. And, you know, really... Sometimes you get a bit, uh, uh, you have uh, certain, uh, I suppose, pessimism about the future. But when you meet young people in primary school and in secondary school, they are so bright, so intelligent, and they have really good vision for the future. So it really gave me a lift uh, and lifted my spirit. So it is with a heavy heart that I have to hand over the chains. But as we speak, John Paul, I am no longer a county councillor. I am no longer the county mayor. Uh, And for the next two weeks, well, until Monday week, in fact, the Deputy Mayor Martin Coughlin will step into the role 
Um, and on Monday the 24th, at a full council uh, meeting in County Hall, a new mayor will be elected. Um, so that's what's going to happen with the with the uh, council with the with the mayor role. And will that mayor be elected then for the full year, or just until your term is going to end? Until the end of the term, so it'll be sometime in June when the next AGM is held. So it's it's the remainder of this term. Okay, and that could be any body of many party. It doesn't have to be particularly Fianna Fáil, does it? It could be anybody, but uh, listen, as people know, that the, when I was elected mayor, there was um, a somewhat of a pact put in place that may not necessarily come to come to pass for the remainder of the five years, but. Um, the agreement was with uh, independence and Labour that it would be uh, Fianna Fáil uh, independent, Fianna Fáil independent, Fianna Fáil over the course of the five years. So I would imagine that uh, as long as the numbers still stack up, which they should because the co-options will be uh, done and dusted at that stage, that it would be a Fianna Fáil mayor for the, for the remainder of the term. Who that is, John Paul, I have no idea. That's, uh, that's, that's one I'm not willing to, to guess. Well, we'll find out in a few weeks, I suppose. Christopher, for the moment, uh, safe journey to Dublin and no doubt we'll be in touch with you soon on whatever happens anyhow regarding the formation just, of a government. Yeah, just, and and uh, after the parliamentary party meeting, when we have a clearer, uh, I suppose, picture of what's happening uh, and, you know, I can be, I suppose, more concrete in my own views and opinions on um, where we should go, then I, I would I'd certainly love to come back on and, and chat to you. Very good. We'll see what happens over the next of the course uh, of the next few days. We'll tell a lot, I suppose, regarding all the talks. For the moment, Christopher, thanks for joining us. That is now Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan of Fianna Fáil for Cork South West, who also, of course, was the county mayor. And now, as you heard there, it's going to be Deputy Martin Coughlin for the next two weeks, uh, the county mayor, uh, as he is deputy, and then a new county mayor will be elected, and that mayor then will go on until the end of Christopher's term, which would have been in June. So we'll have to wait and see then who that will be more than likely. It would seem anyhow who will be a Fianna Fáil councillor, but we'll have to wait and see about that. But in the meantime, uh, the county mayor is going to be the deputy county mayor and that is independent Martin Coughlin uh, from McCroom. 1850-333-103, lines open. You can text on WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Speaking of McCroom, uh, that accident now seems to have been cleared on the way into McCroom near Coolcower, but there is still tailbacks because there's roadworks there at the moment. So if you're travelling uh, into McCroom uh, from the city side, you will expect some delays there because of those roadworks. And obviously, enough, if you're going the other way from McCroom to Cork, you'll expect delays there as well uh, but it seems at this stage that earlier collision now has been cleared on the way the Catholic Church doesn't need some type of reform here in Ireland considering mass uh, attendances are falling but yet everybody wants to attend communion and confirmation discussing that next Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 A parish priest has called for major change in the Irish Catholic Church Father Roy Donovan parish priest of Cahar Connellish in Limerick joins me good morning to you Father Roy uh, good morning John Paul lovely uh, morning here and thanks for joining us it is a beautiful morning here as well uh, sunshine for the day hopefully anyhow a change from the wet weather we had over the last few days yes um, the church t- attendances, first of all, they are low. I mean, everybody knows that who does attend Mass, and, and you would know more than most. Uh, yet we have a number of parishes existing across the country, and priests try to cover all these various parishes. So when you talk about reform, do we need to look at the diocese we have, at the parishes we have? Do we have too many, and does that need to be reformed, which they have, and, and they have done here in, in Cork and Ross and Klein, to some extent, anyhow? Yeah, and those structures from way back in the Middle Ages, they catered for packed 
uh, churches. I mean, there was a church within every three miles, so and there were, they seemed to be all full. Um, so you, you almost had a, a 99% turnout for masses a weekend. And now, as you said there earlier on, we're gone to the other extreme. And so everything has to be looked at to um, cater realistically for those who are coming. And do you feel over the years the church itself, was it the cause of its own downfall, apart from all the, the stories that came out with child abuse, outside of that, did it get too elitist over the years? It, it, absolutely. That, um, you, have, you have a number who are blaming secularism and the modern world. I don't buy into any of that. Um, we, we, we have shot ourselves in the foot. We, um, I, I don't know what kind of a bubble clergy, we clergy have been living in, and we're slowly coming out of it, but it was a bubble of um, where we saw ourselves as the, you know, the special ones that we were uh, people set apart from everybody and that we were up there on a pedestal and we, that was the old model that we've been operating out of. And uh, all that has gone and um, people have moved on and uh, they see through it all. And uh, now, uh, you know, what, what I think is we've got to be like Tommy Tiernan, you know, on his show. He doesn't know who's going to be on next. Um, we, we need to take more risks. We need to live in the moment and be with people as they are rather than coming with um, answers or coming with um um, you know, the, telling people what to do. We, we have to operate from a completely new place. Like Tommy Tiernan, you're, you're just there. Uh, you're with the person and it's adult to adult and it's uh, listening to each other. We, we need more of that kind of uh, spirit in our church. Yeah, and does it sadden you when I know a lot of younger people are disillusioned with the church, but you have a lot of people who have been uh, going to Mass since they were very, very young. They're now in their 60s or 70s and even they themselves will say and admit to the local priest that they're just disillusioned by what's happening in the church. I mean, is it sad to see someone who has given their faith to the church over 30, 40, 50 years say that? It is, and I suppose uh, some people are recommending, you know, that there's a need for a lot of grief and mourning what has been lost, and um, and you know, so much. Uh, some people are celebrating that <laughs> that this is over and um, that this model is finished, and um, but, but I suppose you know the new model says that you know it's the baptism of everyone, that we're equal and that is the common priesthood of all believers and that we all have responsibility and that we all we're in it together and we're trying to build community together and we're trying to go forward together. We need more of that kind of attitude. You know, there's been a massive uh, pacification of people down the centuries where people, you know, when they come into a church, they grow, you know, they're like a, a flock of lambs that become quiet and uh, the priest does everything almost, you know, in the Mass, and uh, it's not really engaging, it's not really uh, alive, and uh, you don't have full participation. I think we could learn from a lot from the Church of Ireland, you know, the Church of Ireland here next door to me. Um, the, the people there, they run the church, they um, they run the finances, they, they do the welcome, they do everything. Um, full participation, and they sing, they all sing together, you know, we could learn from them. Uh, do we not have that though to some extent in our churches where you have local choirs who do sing at various masses and you have uh, those who do take part in readings or, or Holy Communion and that type of thing do we have that to some extent though? We, we, we do um, but, but it's, you don't find full participation of singing by people you know often it's left to 
choir or one person, you know, that something goes quiet within Catholics in a church or something goes passive, you know, and, um, well, that's my experience anyway, that there isn't enough of vitality and life in our liturgies and um and this new missile has caused massive problems um the language is so archaic uh patriarchal uh, uh, exclusive and um it should never have been accepted that doesn't help the situation doesn't help participation yeah, and I suppose over the years some priests have come in and they've tried to modernise the Mass in their own parishes but then those involved in parish committees have gone against them. So while some priests are trying to make the church modern and did attract a young audience to the church you had the lay people who more or less stopped them from doing that so there's a conflict there as well within the church itself from the lay people to the priests. Yeah, there, there are um, groups who want to build walls and they want dialogue with modern culture and it's the other way around now. We're we're learning from the modern world rather than uh, we teaching the modern world. I mean, the wo- modern world is leading the way in the equality of women. It's leading the way G- uh, LGBT people. It's leading the way in welcoming people. And um, we as a church should have been ahead of the posse. We, we should have been leading in all these areas. But we've been found wanting. And uh, for a lot of young people... The image of the church is toxic, really, and uh, a lot of negative, a lot of negativity. Um, that's why I think we, we need to throw out the rule book and just, like Tommy Tiernan, engage with people where they're at and see what happens. Yeah, and restart again. And uh, just speaking of yeah. changes, there, I have a text in from someone saying that there's no priest full time anymore in the parish of Moor Nabby, which would be inclined. So that shows the example. I know we've, we've discussed that before in the programme. But then does it frustrate you? Maybe it doesn't, because I've got a few texts in on this now. Uh, when we go to a situation whereby we have a christening or we have a communion or confirmation, we had complaints there recently about a confirmation whereby the church was setting up a marquee and the people couldn't fit in the church, they were in the marquee and then if they weren't in the marquee but they were in the school and people weren't happy they couldn't physically be in the church but a lot of listeners make the point that how come then on a weekend the church is so empty you could you know you're trying to fill people and trying to get them into the church you can't but when it comes to confirmation the church is packed and people are giving out they can't get into the church or the parish is running two confirmations I mean how come uh, there's obviously still a need for the Catholic Church if people want to be there for funerals for confirmations but not for mass and and that is true. We're, we do funerals very well, and people fully participate in funerals, and there's a lot of involvement in first communions and confirmations. But for the rest of their lives, uh, the church is not speaking to them. The church is not connecting with them in their everyday lives. Has not, most people feel, I would think, that the church has nothing to offer them in, in their everyday lives. If, if the church was offering something um, that was attractive, People would say, I want more of that. I, I, I need more of that. that. That's speaking to me. That's bringing me alive inside. Um, but I think the church is not able to connect with modern people. But yet it must connect, though, on confirmation days and on funerals because people still choose uh, to go to a Catholic funeral or receive communion or confirmation. And those days in every parish, especially in the last few months we have seen, are packed out. So there's obviously a need still when people are feeling ill yeah. or in bad health or they need to turn to someone, they do go back to the church. So there is a feeling there from Irish people that, that they do go to the church, but not at the weekend. So there is some kind of feeling for it, but not 100%. I mean, how, how do you get around that? But it shows that there's a lot of um, good stuff in a lot of people's lives, that they're open and that there's a lot of, um, you know, they're not shut down completely to the spiritual and to uh, 
there's a lot of people who have left the church, but that doesn't mean they've left Christ or mm. that they're, um, you know, you know that they've given up on their faith. It doesn't mean that. that. Um, there's a lot of people um, they're finding elsewhere what nourishes them inside, and um, obviously. They're the big things, communion and confirmation and funerals, and they're they're very real. Uh, funerals are very real in people's lives, and and we're meeting that in a very real way, and uh, it's working very well. But for a lot of other areas, it's not working. And you mentioned there people finding religion elsewhere. I work on a Sunday in a, another one of our radio stations based in, in the city centre. And you cannot get parking from 11 to 2 in that area uh, near McCurtain Street because there's a number of churches. Now, a lot of them aren't Catholic churches, not Church of Ireland. They're, the sign over them says community churches. And they are packed out to the door. Uh, and it's all kind of people going there from people who are just new to the country to locals. Every kind of person is attracted to those particular churches. So how come those churches are attracting numbers but the Catholic Church isn't? Um, that's, uh, <laughs> again, maybe because they're smaller churches and they have more involvement to people, they have more participation, and um, it's obviously, they're obviously speaking to people in a very meaningful way in their present-day lives, and they want that. Um, but, but in our churches, um, maybe we've got two um, ridges and um we we need to um um we need to uh, I, I suppose ours are very formal and and um you know uh, can we find more unstructured informal ways of connecting with people I, I, it seems to me anyway that, that that's what it calls for yeah, and uh, finally on the issue of priests, and we know we have a, uh, an, an issue with lack of priests in the country, as uh, do other countries across the world. One of those in the Amazon, they were hoping yep. uh, to allow priests to marry. It's an issue that Pope Francis has sidelined in documentation seen yesterday evening. Uh, were you hopeful maybe that, that the Catholic Church in Rome and the Vatican might come out and say, OK, let's allow one region of the world where priests can marry, and that could open up a, a huge uh, alliance for the Church elsewhere then? I, I was hopeful, but my expectations were very low. Um, nobody seems to have the bottle to make hard decisions at mm. the moment in the church. And Pope Francis has balked it, and he didn't listen to that proposal that was put forward by the people at that pan-Amazon synod uh, for men to be ordained and for women to be made um, deacons. Um, it's very disappointing because what's happening in the Amazon is going to happen here very quickly. Um, my, my only hope is Germany. Germany, the bishops there are sitting down with the people face to face, eyeball to eyeball, and the issues that nobody will talk about are on the table, like the role of women, like um, compulsory uh, celibacy, like power, the way it's used in the church, and sexuality. All these contentious uh, issues are now on the table, and they're willing to face it. That, that gives me hope. And would you like to see, or would it make a difference even, if they did allow priests marry and allow women priests, would that even increase the amount of people then who want to join up? Well, I, I think the church needs um, much bigger reform. Um, I, I think that um, we need to change all our structures, uh, you know, that that they're, um, they, they need to be adjusted for meeting people in the modern world. We, we need a lot of change at all levels. Mm. 
and uh, and also because um, for the last 20 centuries women have had no input into our policies into uh, the uh, language into theology uh, so we've been missing half of their insights and their wisdom and now men have a lot of insights and wisdom so I, 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 that's there but um, if women were to come in uh, you know priesthood is a male construct for example um, women would have a completely different idea. So, uh, like the Pope says in this letter yesterday, he doesn't want to characterize women. And yes, um, he's asking to ordain more uh, male deacons. He's asking to pray for vocations. I mean, that's not clericalism. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, so we need um, we need a lot of change. We need to listen to women because women would have a lot of other ways of going about things. So and balance I it up, balance up the male-female yeah, within yeah, the church. Yeah. And that would make it easy so, as well, I suppose, if priests were allowed to marry, they would have a female in their lives who would uh, negotiate and contribute to the church. I mean, is that something, yeah. not getting too personal now, uh, but is it something that you would have liked yourself or maybe other priests you know that they would have liked to uh, got married or have a relationship with a woman while remaining a Catholic priest? I think uh, I think a lot of priests would have loved to have had that choice mm. and and to make that choice from a more responsible place rather than making it um, a long time ago and where it's shut down, you shut down that area almost completely and uh, it's never on offer. I mean, I think there were a number of priests way back in the 60s, 70s with Vatican II, they were hoping that uh, married priests would come in then, you know. So, um, uh, yes, <laughs> um, it, it would be much more mature and responsible to have a, a choice in that area. Okay, well, Father Roy, you've been very honest this morning, so thank you for that. Uh, good to chat, and we'll see what developments happen over the next uh, number of months and, and years, I suppose, really, when it comes to the Catholic Church in Ireland. Uh, but thank you for giving your views this morning on that. Thanks, John Paul. Thank, Thank you. you. Father Roy there, Father Roy O'Donovan, uh, a parish priest in Cahirconlish in Limerick, on the issue of reform in the Catholic Church in here in Ireland. Does it need reform? Do you agree with him? We need more female input in the Church. Uh, it just needs the total change of attitude, really, to be honest, for the Catholic Church here in Ireland. Your views are welcome. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. And on the way, after news at 11, your calls and comments, and the issue of online and phone scams discussing that after C103 News at 11 next. 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your calls and comments this morning or you can text on WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email at, or email even jp at c103.ie and you can tweet at c103cork. Now, on the election, and a lot of people asking, what will happen to former government? How will things go? And now over the Labour Party, people are questioning Brendan Howland that he is leaving the Labour Party leadership. Well, on that, Pat says that Brendan Howland hasn't shown much respect to the people that elected him. Rather than be in government with Sinn Féin, he resigned, didn't he? Uh, he has no respect for the country and he should give back his pension. Well, seemingly, Pat, um, he now could be or looking for the job of Concorda. Uh, so that's why he more or less seemingly, anyhow, is stepping down from the leader of the Labour Party and now remains to see who will be a new leader of the Labour Party. And on that, the Cork East Deputy Sean Sherlock, who many thought would go for the leader of Labour, he is not going to seek that particular mandate of a leader of the Labour Party. But many asking about the future of the Labour Party now that it has the same amount of seats, more or less, as the Social Democrats. And a lot of those in Social Democrats, of course, they would have been initially with Labour and moved and set up their own party. So Labour have six seats and Social Democrats have six seats. Interesting to see 
see what will happen uh, with the future of the Labour Party. And on the issue of fuel and how fuel prices and crude oil has decreased over the last number of weeks, but yet people are not happy that they're paying price high, paying high prices at the pumps for petrol and diesel. And yesterday we got an example of some stations across Cork charging from one. 32.9 to 137.9 and in some areas particularly in East Cork were a bit lower at 125.9 to 127.9 anyhow Dennis says if the fuel station buys 10,000 litres of a certain fuel then the price falls per barrel what do you expect the fuel station to do sell at a loss realistically the price can't go down until they exhaust their current supply says Dennis so he's making the point that the prices probably will go down once they are finished with the supply that they purchased at a high price says Dennis on text to 0862103103 and on the issue of mass and our discussion there was Father Roy Donovan a parish priest in Carraconnellish in Limerick and his view was that the Irish Catholic Church needs a total overhaul and reform because of the way things are going and a lot of people picking up on the elitist comments that was made in that conversation and the fact that the church at some stage seems to be elitist and that it was for a certain few and not for all well on that first of all on attendances the texts are here saying uh, on church attendances it makes me mad when I see such show for christenings and all the other sacraments when it is the only time the children see the inside of the church which is a shame it is the same for the teachers who prepare them and then the parents won't take them to the actual mass every weekend only to the big ceremonies says that particular texter while Tim saying St. Vincent de Paul is a wonderful organisation and is based on the parish, the Legion of Mary has a role in being able to visit people who are alone. And rather than asking people to pray or grin and bear difficulties, the church representative should fight or find a way out, says Tim on text. And another text here is saying the amount of good living elderly people who feel once you die that this is the end, we were all brainwashed in our youth. I love the singing at the Church of Ireland services. No need for choirs in their services. While another text is saying the church in Bantier was full to capacity yesterday, the local school organised a mass for grandparents. It was uplifting to see such gathering and so many children gathered and walking uh, from the local school to the church, says that particular text there. Another person here saying our parish, not sure where this is, but this particular parish had the missions last week uh, for a full week and the crowds were huge at every mass for the missions. While Jane on WhatsApp to 0862103103 says, I used to live in a great parish and moved. My childhood church and priests were fantastic. I felt part of the mass. My new one, the new priest just comes out and says the Mass in a sort of monotone way. When a choir come along, they sing at you. When I was growing up there, was Mass books with a song so people could join in. Now we're sung at, so no participation. I do think the church should modernise a bit, like I requested my christening on the Saturday. And it's about 30 minutes of the priest time in a tiny parish. And I was told, no, it's Sunday after Mass and no other time. Jane says, priests, they often play golf on a Saturday. I agree that people can't get demanding 
and the priests even though they are deserving of time off they are still there to serve their parish so while we do need to be part of the Mass and the singing uh, we do need to have a discussion on the future of the church uh, says Jane who enjoyed that discussion on the WhatsApp to 0862103103 and on that Willie joins me on the line your view Willie when it comes to the reform I suppose of the Catholic Church here in Ireland I'm around a long time and the longer I live the more I look at the priesthood and uh, I just wonder I think they should look at themselves and say Are, is that what Christ wanted us to do because as I see it when, when he called those who wished to follow him more closely to be his witnesses his representatives which the clergy tend to be he said go sell what you have give to the poor and come follow me but they have built up a whole hierarchical structure which smacks more at royalty and it has titles and dress codes and I mean when you see what goes on in Rome they're more like Buckingham Palace than Yeah, it's the elitist uh, situation oh, I was yeah. describing to him I yeah. mean I think uh, that, and that's where Vatican II fell out they looked at a lot of incidentals but they didn't look at themselves Yeah, that's and a good say, point we, yeah. I mean I think they made a job out of it that Christ never meant it to be I think he meant it to be a commitment to a simple lifestyle and they turned it into this kind of elitist and, kind like, of church that turns the ordinary person off it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, uh, even this morning, there, the, 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 in another programme, they introduced the, the Bishop of Armagh uh, speaking from his palace. I mean, if Christ wanted the palace and that, he didn't mean born in one. But, I mean, they, they have turned the whole thing on its head. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, and, you know... Uh, and Christ is not going to call any vocations. I mean, we are told vocations are calling from God. He won't call anymore. It's the same with the religious orders. They lost sight of their mission. And do you think we should be allowing women to get involved in the church by way of women priests yeah, and allowing the, priests the people, to marry? The people should. I mean, it's the people's church. And if they want, I mean, it shouldn't be a priest-centered church. It should be people. And if it's people, it's up to the people themselves then to support each other, really. It's about yeah. supporting each other, helping each other, and you know, rather than, you know, than ritual and what have you. Yeah, OK. Thank you, Mossy. On 1850 or Willie even. Uh, Mossy, though, on WhatsApp is saying that well done to that priest for telling it like it is at the Catholic Church. We need more priests like him to say it straight out, says Mossy on WhatsApp to 0862103103. More of your calls and comments on the reform of the church. But on the way, we're going to discuss online scams. How many days and how many times do you get one of those scam calls to your phone? How many times do you online and you're checking up something and then you realise you're on a fake website or you got a fake email claiming to be from Revenue or Air or one of those we're discussing what can be done and indeed what is being done to deal with these scam artists which I would imagine over the last two or three years we are seeing a lot more of that activity anyhow coming into our show here and I'm sure those in Fraud Smart and the Gardaí are as well we'll speak to them next C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have opportunities including a housekeeper wanted for one day per week in the Greater Kanturk area. Duties to include cooking, cleaning and general housekeeping tasks. Your own transport is essential. You can call 086-191-2748. James Burnham, co-accountants in Mallow and Blackpool. They have vacancies for an office administrator, an assistant and a part qualified accountant and a trainee accountant. Closing date there for the applications on that one is Friday 21st of February. You can check out our website for more details and a rigid truck drivers are wanted for tipping work in the North Cork and Cork City areas. Contact Nile on 086-140-8240. And that's the latest on jobs. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie 
forward slash jobs. Now more than ever we are getting calls about scam emails, online scams, scam phone calls but yet people, some unfortunately still trust these particular scammers. So to discuss this morning what can be done and what the authorities are doing I'm joined in studio by Sergeant James O'Donovan, Crime Prevention Officer at Bannon Garda Station and Olivia Buckley who's from Fraud Smart. Good morning to you both. Good morning, morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. Um, First of all, Olivia, to yourself, I mean, we have spoken to you over the years regarding these online scams. And I was just saying there uh, to James before we, uh, during the ad break, are we seeing more and more of these, especially over the last six months? There seems to be more new scams every few weeks uh, coming about. Yes, absolutely. We know that fraudsters are busier than ever, more active than ever, uh, more globally connected. They're working together in very large groups. I'm not sure people appreciate that uh, fully all the time, that we have large, large groups of fraudsters, uh, highly sophisticated, highly educated, um, very often with very sophisticated and highly educated technical backgrounds. And the one hallmark that we're seeing, and this is the really dangerous part, I guess, is that they're becoming more authentic. You know, there was a time when somebody saw a very unusual uh, email saying, you know, we want to raise $18,000 in the Caribbean or you could win a prize. People used to say, oh, you know, that, that that's not very real. Or if we saw a phone call and we saw it was from South America or Papua New Guinea, we kind of went, that, that that's not a phone call, that's in phone number that's in my address book. The problem now with the scammers is that they're sending us authentic emails that, you know, are addressed to us, that are personalised, that are pretending very often to come from a utility company, uh, maybe perhaps pretending to be revenue, pretending to be your bank, or in the case two weeks ago, pretending that they were for phone, phone calls from Amazon Prime. Oh, there's a problem with your account. Uh, you've been charged for something that you didn't order. We'd like to refund you. So they're, they're also playing on that great thing that we all know works more than anything else, fear. So it's not always a kind of a an incentive, but rather something has gone wrong on your computer, something has gone wrong with your bill, something has gone wrong uh, with your revenue account, and we'd like to correct it. And immediately people are startled and they rush, uh, they rush sometimes to make a decision that is in fact wrong and enables the fraudster to defraud them. So authenticity is the real danger here, John Ball. And what we find from people is that, you mentioned there, they have their name, and that's the big thing. And a lot of the names that they use are from the email because we would get scam emails to our accounts here. One of our email accounts is corktoday at c103.ie and they would go, hello Cork. Uh, so they're obviously taking the first part of someone's name and then using that in the email. But uh, trying to explain that to people sometimes they think, no, it has to be genuine, they have my name. And then they get caught in the trap. Yeah, you can't assume anything is genuine anymore. It's a very unfortunate place that we've all arrived at, really. But I think I think there should be a red alert. If, some, if somebody is emailing you and they're asking you for a password, a date of birth, a security code, a password on your account... I suppose the golden rule, because it can get very confusing. There's so many different types of scams out there that it can get confusing for people. I think the real rule is if you get um, an email or a phone call from whether it's a utility company, somebody pretending to be your bank, um, etc., I think the really bottom line is you go and you ring the company using their original and genuine and authentic number that they use publicly on their own website uh, or on their own documentation that you have, if it's a bill or something that you have or when you set up the account. So stop, hang up or stop, don't click on the email or stop, don't reply. 
but and rather contact the company independently. If you receive an email and it's saying it's from Netflix, which I received one two weeks ago, um, you haven't uh, updated your password and in order to continue viewing, we'd like you to update it. Ignore it and delete or else contact Netflix independently and say, is there a problem with my account? But as soon as you click, you're opening the floodgates for the fraudsters and that's where they are now deep within uh, embedded in your detail, um, in your information, with access to your computer, uh, and that's that's the real danger point for consumers. And uh, starting James Donovan, who's here with us in studio, James, uh, from a Gardaí point of view, when you hear of these scams, and Olivia has outlined there uh, the various scams that people are getting caught in, what can the Gardaí do from your point of view? I mean, you're, you're probably caught as well because these guys aren't, majority of them anyhow, aren't in Ireland. Uh, good morning. Uh, yes, John Paul, I suppose... Just following on from what Olivia said there, this is a new type of crime that's really after taking off, I suppose, in Ireland as such and across Europe. Um, we are constantly upskilling ourselves in the area of investigation into these types of crime. I attended a future sec conference there in Cork last September and across the world there's an estimated $100 million a day being caught from people by fraudsters across the world. So I suppose what we're asking people that if they feel they have been the victim of a fraud to... Ring their bank straight away if they have transferred money over their accounts. Ring ourselves. We assess the complaint if, and investigate all criminal complaints. We have fraud units now set around the country. There's one in Cork and Dublin. And I suppose from an investigative point of view, we there is an awful lot of work going into these kind of investigations. As I say to people, it it isn't like what you see on TV that it can be solved in an hour. There's months of work going into this. We have to gather, gather evidence from financial institutions, solicitors, service providers and so forth. And then we do a lot of work because we have to work with police forces outside the jurisdiction. So we do work with Interpol and our mutual assistance unit above in Dublin to get that information passed in, ver- in I suppose, in various down to the account details that the money is put into. It's just transferred so rapidly. It can be put into one account in Ireland here, we'll say, at five o'clock this evening. And by 5.30, it could be after bouncing to three or four accounts and ending up on the other side of the world. So it's important. And I know that we're constantly getting that message out there that if you feel you're caught, to contact your bank immediately, straight away. And with that then, Olivia, as James is saying, contact your bank. When you do make contact with the bank, can you get that money back? I mean, that financial recall situation, if someone does take, as James has said, uh, 400, 500 euros out of your account and it's gone from Ireland to India or Papua New Guinea or one of these places that comes up on the phone, uh, how do you get your money back? I mean, is there a way around that? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I dealt with on a case-by-case basis, um, John Paul. I think what James has said is really important. If you hang up the phone, if you've done something, either kind of cooperated or think you've clicked on something, the more, the most immediate, the more immediate action you take and the quicker you contact your bank, the greater the chance is you know, of, of getting a resolution to the issue. It does depend on a case-by-case basis. Um, sometimes it may be an issue that has had no involvement whatsoever um, by the bank. Sometimes it's maybe something you've gone and you've purchased uh, and transferred money into somebody's account. But the important thing is if you contact the bank immediately, uh, there's a much better chance that there can be a solution brought to that quickly uh, rather than leaving it, mulling it over for a day or two. And then the person, as you say, may have an account in Papua New Guinea. You've transferred money into it and the money is gone. The person has closed down the account. And as James said, because it's international, we have no idea where these people are or how, how, how to trace them. It's becoming very, very complex. Um, it's, a, it's a world global system and and these people could be anywhere in the world so quick action um and fast action is really important here in terms of getting solutions and i suppose the other thing as well james is uh, when we're on talking about online there's so many scams as as olivia mentioned revenue and that type of thing Uh, the one thing people can do often is in a public place they can go on and decide to update or do some banking online or or whatever Uh, but if you're in a public place for example Kin Station, Houston Station, you're getting the Irish Rail Web uh, Wi-Fi. Uh, I presume there's always going to be somebody around the corner lurking to see can they scam uh, and get into their Wi-Fi and take your details. So uh, what I always hear is, and Olivia would have mentioned this, is you should never be on public Wi-Fi when you're doing important things like online banking, uh, like checking flights or booking flights or anything like that because your credit card details and your banking details are then stored in the Wi-Fi. Am I correct with that? Yes. Uh, look, at, I suppose public Wi-Fi and, and and the name is in itself, it's public. Everyone has free access to it. Um, Olivia touched on it at the start. These are experts in their field in the area of computers and they can bypass any password that you have over a public Wi-Fi. I suppose the, there is a way that you can use it from, from the point of view that of setting up your own virtual private network, a VPN, or else use the, the cable to go into the, the network cable itself. We're asking people, look, and I suppose we touch on it all the time, uh, we often see it on social media. People are going away on holidays and they're putting it up on social media at Cork Airport or, and they're having their first drink or they're having their sandwich at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And you're telling the world basically that number one, you're leaving the country and number two, that you're going to be gone for however long a period of time. And number three, that if you are using the network up there just to do a bit of online banking, that you're, 
you're susceptible to be caught online by these fraudsters that are I wouldn't say professional is the right word, but they're technically masterminds at getting into your details and using your own account details to transfer money from your accounts into their accounts. And like Olivia said, it's gone rapidly to any account across the world. And Olivia, and this comes yeah. in with the websites and, and passwords as well. Some people use the one password for, for everything. Reuse one password, and I mean, we really should be changing them. The problem now is we live our lives in technology. We all live our lives on the phone, um, and everything, almost every, um, I suppose, company or account we're interacting with asks us to register. We're registering online every day of the week, uh, whether it's reading a newspaper or looking, shopping online for a particular clothes company we buy. We like a lot of... Um, we, we, we purchase a lot of clothes online. If we're on booking.com, we're registered. So we're constantly creating identities. Um, we very often use the one password. If we are using passwords, um, we should be making them as complex as possible, really, rather than, you know, people use very simple passwords and then they use the same one all the time. So we need to be, you know, we need to be, I suppose, smart and having a little bit of discipline around the way we behave online. I mean, online, and, and James was talking about the fraudsters there with the public Wi-Fi, it's bees to honey. They see somebody on a public Wi-Fi and it's open season. Like, this is where, uh, th- this is the territory they love best. And, of course, we're all uh, travelling more. We're at airports, we're at bus stations, we're on the Lewis, we're on the Dart, we're on the bus errand bus down the country, we're in the cafe um, having our cup of coffee, um in, in any con- any county around the country and giving away all our information and it's really really high risk because this is this is really opening the floodgates and I think people really need to be aware I mean we say to people if you're going online really you should be using the 3G or the 4, 4G on your mobile phone I know people like to save their data but if you're going to be putting in passwords if you're going to be doing online banking if you're going to be online shopping you should not be in a public Wi-Fi you might as well go out into the street and wave a card in public and give everybody your details it's the equivalent of only unfortunately people don't realise it I mean I was looking at a very interesting video um, slash documentary the other day um, they ran a, a, a test in uh, Bondi Beach in Australia where they set up um, a public Wi-Fi on Bondi Beach called Bondi Beach um, password or whatever and you click in and uh, then they went around to all the people who were uh, using their computers and they were able to tell them their mother's maiden name you're going on holidays here you've X amount of money in your bank account and the people were absolutely flabbergasted they had no idea that this was as open as it was and it's a real warning God that is the massive I didn't hear that one and, and, and beach would be the obviously Bondi it would because of the layout of it it would work uh, but you would James sign up for that if you saw a public Wi-Fi in a beach of all places Yes and even at that event in Cork in September we were asked to participate in a similar experiment like that and 15 seconds it took these two people that were doing it as an example it took them to get into people's information Now, if you think in the grand scheme of things, they have algorithms, they have powerful computers all over the world that are and they're able to mastermind their way into your data. 15 seconds is as long as I'm having this conversation with you on this part in particular, which is quite frightening, really. And they get bank details, everything out of that. Yes. And the fact that they're, I suppose, when the World Wide Web took off, really, and everyone had access to it, everyone set up an email account. I suppose I set mine up nearly 20 years ago and... For a long time, I had the same password in it. I, mm. I didn't bother change it until I was educated. And that's where Olivia does her work with FraudSmart and ourselves and Angara Shikana. We're trying to, I suppose, raise awareness, number one, and educate people that are there to change your passwords, update your 
your firewalls. I know that if you're on Apple and you're on Android and you're on, I suppose, all these computers in your hands, phones, now they'll update automatically. But sometimes you have computers that don't. And especially for retailers and large companies, they need to get in IT specialists into their companies and upgrade their systems on a regular basis. Speaking of retailers and businesses, some of the businesses have been hit with various scams over the years. I know one that keeps coming up in the Garlafall is the invoice redirect scam. And there's been other ones as well over the years. And a lot of it is, as you mentioned, Windows 7 is the the latest example that is not being supported anymore by Microsoft. So if you have Windows 7, uh, you are, I suppose, a threat really, to be honest, to be uh, invaded and and have information from your company taken out. Uh, So just on the invoice redirect, just explain about that and how that could affect someone, James, first of all. I suppose... It's, it's really aimed at businesses as such, uh, invoice to redirect. You'll, For example, you'll get an email, and I suppose this is aimed at, at staff as well, and I think companies should be make, there should be a policy in place that if there is an email coming to a company redirecting funds for payment uh, for, for any such service that they're providing into another account, that they should adapt a procedure of not transferring the funds straight away, making contact um, over the phone or face-to-face with that um, where that invoice came from and asking the question are ye changing your account details for us to pay unfortunately we've had companies across Ireland and across the world but uh, even in Cork as such and they've been caught they've got an email I suppose we're very busy now in business we just look at the email we say transfer the funds to this account and you don't even look at the actual account every sorting code you can put a sort code for every bank account into Google and it'll tell you where that sort code is for and if it's not related to the company that you're meant to be paying you shouldn't be lodging any money into it so again we're asking companies to adapt a policy of number one I suppose raising awareness with their staff and even themselves their financial controllers and so forth that if they do get emails into their business email account um, requesting payment or transfer of funds to a different account to follow up with a phone call with that business and asking for clarification and Olivia I mentioned there about Windows 7 very important for companies to look at their operating systems to make sure they're up to date and also to make sure they have uh, the anti-virus software in place as well because they could be cut out like James explained there Absolutely in fact we were only having a a discussion uh, on it with one of our working groups here uh, this week the whole area of really cyber hygiene about getting into kind of the checklist of things you should be doing um, to make sure particularly for small companies where they are busy and they may not have you know they may not have a full-time IT system where they don't have those resources or they're not of that scale but it is worth using a small IT company in your area and asking them to essentially do a health check in the same way you Go to your doctor, your dentist. If you have a business and you have money moving in and out of your account, uh, are you, have your have your staff got a list of the ten warnings to look out for? Um, we certainly have some booklets on our website, fraudsmart.ie, protecting your business from financial fraud, and it's certainly um, well worth a read and well worth a look at. And it gives you all the advice, including those issues like invoice redirection. But it's really worth. Um, doing a little bit of research online and certainly if you have a small IT company in your area, asking them to do a small health check. You know, they're very, very basic rules which can protect you from losing money, uh, your reputation and causing chaos in the account section of your small company. And that's really important because um, once you've lost the money, it's it's, it's very, very difficult and uh, creates all sorts of risks within the business as well. 
And Olivia, a listener in Douglas wants to know, you might not be able to answer this, but it's regarding the banks and why don't the banks check their customers before they transfer money out of their accounts if they think it's looking a bit dodgy? So while the money is just about to be transferred, I mean, do the banks even know that? Is that done automatically? I'm not too sure how that works nowadays with the banks. Well, if you're about to make a purchase and transfer money, like we've had some instances um, before Christmas that the banks alerted us to and asked us to alert people about. So this would be a very good example and a very good question um, from your listener, from Douglas. Um, If you are clicking on an advert online and it's a false advert and you're about to do something that looks suspicious, the bank will very often send you a text message Uh, with two-step authentication, in other words, a code uh, to ask you to enter so that you're kind of double-checking and you have to do two steps before you can actually make the purchase. And also, it will give you a warning on that text. Do you realise you may be about to make a suspicious transaction? What we found, and maybe it was in the rush before Christmas, that very often people were just seeing the code, entering it into the, the computer, they get their six digits or their four digits, whatever it may be, and... Uh, paying the money. So it's very, the banks have asked us to convey to consumers to very carefully, if you're getting a text from your bank with a code, to read the text as well. Very often we're in a rush and we're not reading the warning. Um, We had a case before Christmas. There was a lot of them, a travel scam. People thought they were buying cheap airline flights. When they clicked on the advert, it was uh, not on the travel company. It was being uh, led into an artificial site and people were buying thousands of euro of precious metals. So hence, the, the the bank was triggering a message and you would receive a text, but very often people weren't reading it fully uh, and instead just entering their code and pressing ahead with the purchase. So if, you know, I think we have to have our suspicious hats on us. If something looks peculiar, if it looks too good to be true, if you're looking at an advert and you see a deal, then go and independently research it on the website, on the on, on the original website address, of the company. Don't click on pop-up ads if you fear you're about to make a suspicious purchase. We know many, many people who've been caught by not independently checking, by just genuinely believing it was a genuine ad. And, you know, that that has happened to all of us at some stage. Um, But we need to be really, really careful. Look at the ad, look at the pop-up ad, but go independently to the website. The more protection you can put around yourself, the less exposure uh, there is to the fraud and there's probably just those few simple things that we can do to put a little bit of a, a firmer ring of steel around ourselves and our bank account. And even Cork Airport had to come out yesterday and warn people and there was a fake website set up for them which was very engaging. It was the same type of colour they use and people were being led to believe that they would win a holiday but when they clicked on the next link they were looking for their credit card details so that obviously uh, sparked fears. And the other thing is and James, you might have come across this as well. If you're Googling a company and you want to ring ESB or SSC or Tricity and you'll get a website coming up on top of all the other searches on Google that isn't their website, you'll also get another website that will give you a number for them, but it's a 1550 number. So you're yeah. dialing this number thinking it's Airtricity. It's going to them, but it's rerouting around from somewhere else in the world and you're being charged about two euros or three euros for that particular call. Yes, look, I suppose what we're doing is we're asking people to be very careful of when they're going online and Google um, certain um, either legitimate companies that they want to go after or there's pop-ups coming up on their screen. Most of the legitimate companies now have that safety lock above in the top left-hand corner saying that it's safe protected. But now we are also aware that there is fraudsters out there uh, that can portray that screen on top of a pop-up. So you might feel that you are on a genuine page 
but you have to double check. And as Olivia said, there should be extra measures. We should nearly have the suspicious hat on us all the time when we're getting these pop-up uh, emails or pop-up screens and with links attached to them. It's the links that are the important thing that we should not be going into. At the end of the day, if you're getting a redirect uh, invoice, if you're getting a notification from your bank, if you're getting a text alert from Amazon with a link in it, or that's pretending to be from Amazon with a link in it, don't go into those links because they will get the malware into your computer and they will have access to all your details on that computer and you're wide open then for the transfer of funds. Something we came across yesterday in the show was some of the phone operators now when you're getting a scam call, just to see a text there, uh, that they actually tell you it's, uh, it comes up saying potential fraud. So that's something positive anyway that the networks are doing. So do you know why some calls will come in from 021 and they'll say Cork, Coachford, uh, whatever. Uh, they're now showing potential fraud. So uh, that is positive on the network's uh, point of view. Very finally, guys, uh, Mule accounts. Just talking about this, James, do you Want to take this one? Um, yes. Look, I suppose we ha- we are being aware that there is a number of people, and in particular students, there that they're being approached and they're being offered money. And I, I suppose I'm aiming this at the parents of students, mm. both in secondary schools and in colleges, that they're being offered money for their use of their account. Now, their accounts would then be used as mule accounts for the temporary transfer of money. In the case of fraud, let's say the the invoice redirect or um, phishing scams or any of those those accounts would be used to have the funds temporarily placed in them and then transferred into another account outside of the jurisdiction. That automatically raises a flag with the bank. The banks then red flag them and I suppose down the line, whether it would have an effect on their credit rating down the line or so forth, but they're also an accomplice to that offence after taking place and they're probably unaware of it. So we're asking parents to talk to their children that are in secondary school and to college-going students that if, if they ever feel that they're being approached to use their accounts for the purpose of uh, lodging fraudulent funds into to contact the Gardaí. Okay, warning for a student though, if you could become an accomplice and you're totally uh, unaware of it, I yes. that doesn't affect your own record if it does come up saying that you are part of this and you actually weren't. I mean, it doesn't affect your Garda record or your, your security record, does it? Well, I suppose the unfortunate thing about it is that these students are being offered a financial reward to give their um, account details. Oh. And if they... If they get a reward for giving their account details to a fraudster, unfortunately they are participating in the in the commission of their offence then. So really take note of that. And very funny, Olivia, text has come in here. Uh, for, uh, no name on this, but it says, uh, Hi there, I accidentally clicked on a banner ad. I presume it was in Google or one of the search engines, which uh, was for me signing up to a gaming scheme. Now, I've no interest in it. I didn't give my text number, but I got a text saying I had subscribed. So I called a number on text and then they told me I had not subscribed. Then... I got charged on my bill and three Ireland are saying they can't do anything. I've complained to Comreg. Uh, can I complain to the Gardaí for theft or how can I operate this one? Um, I think the Consumer Protection Commission, whose number now I don't have to hand, um, but I think they would be a good start in relation to that. They also should report it. I mean, and I think James would agree where you have an instance like that you know, it helps if we can, as a team, almost work together. The more information and the more reporting we have, the better, because, you know, even on Fraud Smart, when we get calls in or people alerting us to issues, what we can do then is we can put out alerts, we can put them on Twitter, we can put them on social media, on our website, and at least people are alerted um, alerted to that. But that that has real, you know, warning warning signs on it for sure.
Yeah, they obviously, maybe it was her phone, she clicked it on, they got her number from that, I'm not too sure. Anyhow, uh, the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission you mentioned there, if they want to contact them, you can do so on 1890-432-432. They might have information there uh, regarding that or help you in some way for the moment. Olivia, thank you for all the advice this morning. Thank you very and much. And no doubt as these scams continue we'll be speaking again soon uh, but hopefully uh, as, as the year goes on we'll uh, get on top of these particular gangsters doing this. Olivia Buckley there uh, from Fraud Smart and Sergeant James O'Donovan thank you for the advice but you're staying with us because we're going to our Garda file next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And time for this week's Garda file and Sergeant James O'Donovan from Bandon Garda Station remains here in studio with us. So James will start with Burgley first of all and there's two one in Boherbui and one in Farron Yes um, on Sunday the 9th of February there last at Ruhil Moor Boherbui at between 2pm and 6pm uh, uh, unfortunately a house was entered there and a number of items were taken I suppose what we're appealing for is, is if anyone saw um, particularly a blue Skoda Octave VRS uh, hatchback model in the area at around that time to contact the Gardaí in Mill Street. It happened between 2pm and 6pm. I suppose that car may have been around the area from maybe 10 o'clock in the morning or 12pm um, and would have left the, the area in a fairly rapid manner, I suppose, on that Sunday evening. So again, it might ring a bell with someone that would have been in the Ruhlmore Boherbui area on Sunday the night and to contact the Gardaí again, as I said, in Mill Street. And then from uh, Boherbui to Farron. Yes, Farron there on Tuesday last, the 11th of February, between 7am and 12pm. Uh, there was no entry gain to the house um, here, unfortunately, but there are fortunately, but there was damage done to the door. Again, we're asking people who were in the, the Ballandeg Farron area on Tuesday to contact the Gardaí in um, Crookstone or McCroom if they saw anyone acting suspicious around the place at that time. And you have two thefts. Uh, we'll start first of all with the thefts in uh, Castletown Bear. This was Gates, was it? Yes, this is an unusual one really, I suppose. Um, it was a theft of Gates there in the, the Fylderig area of Castletown Bear on the 30th of January last. I do know that we had two similar incidents before the previous show, so it would have been covered on the previous show. I suppose... It's unusual that the gates were bought. They weren't exactly put up straight away and they were left there at the side of the pillar to be put up in the next day or two. But someone would have seen something suspicious. These all occurred overnight. So they would have been from 10 o'clock at night until 7 o'clock in the morning. So someone would have seen possibly a jeep or a van pulling a trailer with gates on it late at night or early into the morning. If you did, contact the Gardaí in Castletown Bear. Again, it is very unusual and... Not alone am I appealing to people who might have seen something suspicious, but I'm appealing to, to farmers and everyone to secure their property at all times. Just if you are buying property that is going to be like, like gates going to be put up in the next day or two, make sure to put those gates into your yard, secure them and then take them out and put them up and over the course of a couple of hours and don't be leaving there overnight and something else that comes up a lot on the Garda file and even on the show is home heating oil and, and people basically robbing and, and thieving home heating, heating oil out of people's storage units uh, and this is another example uh, from Glengariff yes again I suppose this is a kind of a seasonal type of crime especially in the winter and I suppose with the cold weather that was there um, home heating oil can be a target for some criminals in the Shrone area of Glengariff there last Thursday, the 6th, between 12pm and 12.30pm, which is a very small window, John Paul. So we're talking about a half an hour. There was a van scene with a number of men on board. They were basically 
went into a house, saw that there was no one there, took the oil and were gone from the scene within half an hour. We're asking people who are in the Sharon area to contact the Gardaí in Glengariff or in Bantry if they saw anything out of place last Thursday between 12pm and 12.30pm. Now something we discussed earlier on this week and mixed views on the speed cameras but uh, you want to make note that there will be new speed and new safety camera zones coming in here in the Cork area anyhow and of course nationwide also. Yes, nationwide there's 903 new safety cameras going online from next Monday the 17th. I suppose at the end of the day speed is killing um, and kill... We want to ask, ask people to kill the speed in their cars. These camera safety zones are there for the purpose to slow down drivers. We've gone from a number of deaths, 415 in 2000, to 148 deaths in 2019, which is a significant drop. It's not enough. Any, one death is too much. And again, these cameras are put in place to slow people down. The level of driving that is currently out there on the road Whereas it has decreased in the number of deaths that has resulted, there is still an awful lot of fast driving. And there, I suppose either be it people are in too much of a hurry or they're not planning their journeys right. But these cameras are there to deter those speeders on the road. And where those cameras locations can be got on the Garda website um, currently up online at the moment. And we mentioned there regarding fraud. I know over the last while, because we spoke about Internet Safety Day earlier this week, you guys have been around to various schools, primary and secondary schools. And I suppose here it's really for parents because parents, a lot of parents are buying phones for people at a very young age now. They need to be aware of what their child can access and download on those particular phones or any smart device or, or tablet or computer. Yes, um, the 11th of February just gone there was International Safer, Safer Internet Day. I'm Garishikana and along with Webwise went into a number of schools across the country uh, where talks were given to both primary and secondary school goers in relation to online safety. It's not just being online, John Paul. You've you've gaming online now as well. And that is, I suppose, opening up the, the possibility of kids who are unsupervised online being targeted. Um, we're asking parents that they should be aware of all times of when their children are online, how long they're online for, and what sites they're online. There's gaming sites. If it isn't supervised and there isn't prohibited sites, they can be exposed to a number of dangerous situations um, online. So again, it's, I suppose, true education and moving on from the conversation that we had with Olivia earlier on, kids nowadays are having access to the World Wide Web at a very young age, be it that they're given a laptop to keep them quiet at the table while the parents are having dinner or they're given a phone to play a game and they're starting online as young as five and six years of age. Again, it's a, it can be very positive, but there is also, it has to be controlled from the point of view of the access of what content they have access to. Because you wouldn't physically give it to them, so why give it to them in an online virtual world? It's very good. Uh, James, uh, thank you for that, and we'll chat to you again soon. That is Sergeant James O'Donovan from Bandon Garda Station joining us in studio this week. And on the way, if you have a pet in your household, have a question about that particular pet, James Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us after 12.30. Also, more of your calls and comments on the way. It is a Thursday afternoon, which means from around 12.30, if you have any pet in your household that you want or want an answer from our vet, Jane, well, get your questions into 
us right now. Uh, call Barney 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 That's Jane Pickett of the Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us at around 12.30 uh, this afternoon. And can we say hi, first of all, and best wishes to everybody in the Mayfield Men's Shed on their nomination for Best Community and Council Initiative at the All-Ireland Community and Council Awards 2020. It's on this coming Saturday evening and that comes in many thanks from the people of Mayfield. So best of luck to all there in Mayfield Men's Shed who are doing great work over the last number of months there for the community in Mayfield. Now, we spoke about scams over the last uh, hour or so and how to deal with online scammers and phone scammers. And one here from Mary, and Mary, this is where there's going to be a lot of confusion over this because Mary's received uh, an email from AIR, but it's if you have an AIR email, uh, the AIR are letting customers know that they are introducing a pay service for their email. They're going to charge people five ninety nine per month. But the only thing is we have been contacted uh, by people who... Uh, also got an email claiming to be from AIR but it doesn't look like it's from AIR so it is really hard to know which email is genuine or not AIR obviously are looking now for payments uh, for people to sign up to their new service but the big problem AIR are going to face is the amount of scam emails that are going to do the rounds as well and claim they're from AIR and not from AIR so the best thing here to do Mary is if you click on another link or if you look at the email first of all check is the email coming from support or one of those at AIR.ie if it's coming from something that is at yahoo.co.uk because one of our listeners last week had a very similar situation and when we looked into it for him the email he got claiming to be from AIR with the AIR logo was actually from a Yahoo account and obviously AIR are not going to be using a yahoo.co.uk account if they are sending out details to their own customers. First of all, asking them to sign up for a paid service and they're hardly going to use a free email service and also not even an Irish domain one, a UK one with the .co.uk. Anyhow, uh, Mary, that's the first thing you can check out with that and that will tell you, first of all, if it's genuine or not. But the thing is, AIR are charging for their AIR premium service for uh, email. Uh, so that's the only way at the moment that people can uh, see if it's actually a, a fake or a, a real email. So just double check where the email came from. Last week we had people who got the similar emails they felt the wording wasn't correct and it was different than what AIR is sending out. So whereby one you've sent in looks like the genuine one from AIR, I would still check the email it came from. If it's something like yahoo.co.uk or gmail.com uh, with support error at gmail.com or one of those, you know then it's a scam. It should be coming from an air.ie website domain. So check that out and see if you can figure that one. Um, but yeah, you're right, Mary. It is going to be very, very hard for people uh, to differentiate between the real, uh, particular email from air and the scam ones. And that's the fear out there. We're asking everybody really to check and double check before you click on any particular link or any website or any email link just in case you get scammed. Now, Let's go back to the election. Uh, we heard yesterday evening how Labour leader Brendan Howland has announced that he is stepping down from that particular position. And a lot of people uh, here in Cork straight away uh, checking and asking, I wonder, will Sean Sherlock now rule himself in or out for the particular later Labour leadership? He has ruled himself out. And Sean joins me this morning or this afternoon even on the programme. Good afternoon to you, Sean. 
Hello, John Paul. How and are you? I'm fine, thanks. And first of all, uh, congrats to you as well, as we've been saying to so many others, on getting re-elected for Cork East. Uh, Labour and the election, maybe somewhere wrong to say this, but this morning watching the breakfast TV news, uh, they were saying one of the first fallouts from the election was Brendan Howland leaving Labour. I mean, is this something that he was considering anyhow? Uh, and, and is it really a fallout from the election? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. And I, I just want to say how grateful I am for being elected uh, to Dáil Ireland for yet another mandate and I'm very grateful to the people of North and East Cork for giving me that mandate uh, and I really want to focus now over the next few years on, on delivering on that mandate and there's a million and one issues to be gone through and, and I hope to be working hard you know, for the people. Uh, the answer to your question is I don't think he was considering his position. I think once the results came in I think there is always an inevitability that if you uh, have a reduced number of seats, then it's always the likelihood that you're, you're going to maybe re- resign or retire because we had a target of doubling our seats and that didn't happen this time. And I don't think anybody could blame Brendan Howland. I thought he had a very good campaign himself. But I think there is a sense maybe in which the overwhelming desire for change saw such a seat bonus for Sinn Féin that, you know, parties like Miguel, Labour, Sinn Féin suffered as a result of that. And I suppose the net gainers were the Sock Dems, the Greens and uh, Sinn Féin, obviously. And I, I wish all of those parties well. And I wish Sinn Féin well because the people did voice their, you know, vote change. Uh, and we'll have to wait and see now. So, to be fair to Brendan Howland, um, I think it's possible that we are still associated with the period of time when we were in government between 2011 and 2016. And I think people still associate us with a lot of the decisions that were taken at that time. And I think there's going to take another while for all of that to flush through the system, if you will. We still have been forgiven by the people, I suppose you could say. And, and maybe that's why we didn't get the votes and affords maybe to double the numbers and reach the target that we had. But I wish Brendan well. I I think, on balance, I think you'd have to say that he has been a loyal and progressive public servant. Uh, and, you know, he's somebody, I think, who, at heart, always had, you know, the, the public in mind and the people in mind, you know, would readily admit that we made mistakes when we were in government. Um, but I think, you know, I think history will be kind to him. And I think that he took his decision, I think, having not reached that target, I think, and he probably took that decision over the weekend, I imagine. And were you disappointed? I mean, you got re-elected, but for Labour itself, they presumed they might get more than the six seats. I mean, you're on par now with the Social Democrats and many of those would have started that party out of Labour. Uh, were you disappointed to see that the party didn't grow looking at the other parties? And as you mentioned, they are still being blamed from what happened in that period you were in government from 2011. I am disappointed because I'm disappointed for excellent candidates like Kira Kennedy in Cork South Central and you know, John Maher and Cork North Centre, because they're genuine and excellent people. And I'm sorry that they didn't make it over the line. Uh, and, you know, I think people, anybody who knows Kira and John will know that they're authentic people with buckets of integrity. And I'm disappointed for those people. I'm disappointed that we didn't make more gains in Cork, for instance. You know, 
So I, I think the bottom line here, though, is that there was such a tsunami in favour of Sinn Féin that a lot of good candidates, I think, got caught in that. Such was the overwhelming desire for change. Were you ever, Sean, worried yourself in the Council and Journal? Yes. Every today is worried, obviously enough, but, and, and you were marked as one of the ones that was safe, safe even because of the Sherlock name. But were you worried at one stage that it might not go that way? Oh, absolutely. On Friday night, John Paul, I had a conversation with my wife, Mara, and I said, I might have to be dusting off the CV on Monday morning and, and going back out to, to look for a job, you know, to put bread on the table. You know, so I was I was seriously worried. But thankfully, uh, we got enough transfers to see us over the line. And there is a core vote, I think, that's there for us that we have worked on and worked on over the years, back to my father's time, my late father's time. And, you know, we... We've been working hard over the last four years, but but I think what politics has taught me is that sometimes no matter how hard you work, if there's a tide in favour of one party, it doesn't matter what you do, because the tide will 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 catch you out, if you will. And I think there was, you know, that that could be said for Kevin O'Keefe, who I feel very sorry for, because I think Kevin, I think, is a genuine. Uh, you know, politician as well who wanted to do, wants to do his best for the people on the ground. I think Fine Gael were affected by this as well. You know, so sometimes, but you have to accept the will of the people. You can't be sentimental or... People or voted for change so that they, they want vote, that change. Yeah, you can't be sentimental. You can't feel that, that you've been done out of something, you know, because the people are sovereign and we have to accept the will of the people. That's a hard and fast rule. So, yes, I was very worried about whether or not I would lose my seat and throughout the count there were periods where, you know, I wasn't very confident about that, you know, but thankfully the transfers came our way and I think the one thing we've proven over the last two elections is that as a candidate, I, I'm, I'm transfer friendly, if you will. I, I'm not seeing as being offensive to people who support other parties, you know, and I talk, but I've always been a driver of consensus around issues, you know, like schools and health and all of that, because I think there's a lot more that unites us as politicians than divides us. And I think we have to kind of do a lot more of that consensus building now, particularly around health and uh, education uh, and, and, and also in relation to climate action, you know, but on but using sensible policies and climate action, not silly policies, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and on building, you mentioned there, and building parties, the leader, labor, the labor leadership now is the one that everybody is looking towards. And when Brendan Holland announced yesterday that he was leaving that particular role, instantly people thought of you. They felt that you would be a good leader, that you would have the charisma, maybe to turn labor around. Instead, you have ruled yourself out. You have newly elected TDs like Aidan O'Reardon. You have Jed Nash, um, who are potential contenders. Some have mixed views on both of those. And then you have Alan Kelly, who is like Marmite, seemingly, within the <laughs> Labour uh, Party ranks. So what? Yeah. Uh, why did you rule yourself out? Because amongst those on the ground of Labour, they felt that you would have been the best option out of all those three I mentioned there. No offence well, to those three. Well, thank you for saying that, Sean Paul, and thank you to all those people who have contacted me asking me to put my name forward. My, my reason is, is very uh, simple. I believe strongly that I, I, I want to focus on rebuilding the party. And you might say that you could do that from a position of leadership, but I also believe that I want to continue to work on the ground to build up the organisation and look to the next local elections and see where we can build from there. But there was also a certain amount of a, a personal decision. I have a, a very young family. 
Um, I'm very happy working as a constituency TD. Uh, you know, I have served as a minister. I feel like I have a lot more to give. But I do feel that there are so many issues on the ground in North and East Cork that need to be worked on that I want to give that my 120% effort. You know, issues like the schools issue in uh, East Cork at the moment and even in North Cork. You know, there's issues about how do we, you know, renovate our town centres, towns like Mallow, for instance. How do we, you know, get more home help hours? How do we work for people with intellectual disabilities, uh, you know, ASD services. And and I've been focused a lot on that over the last four years at a local level, and I want to keep keep up the focus on that work and work for those people. And I feel that, that my best effort will be put into, you know, doing the ground hurling and working for people on the ground. And that's where I'm most happiest. I think if I was a leader, I think I'd, I'd have to spend a lot more time in, in Dublin uh, I'd have to spend a lot more time travelling around the country uh, and, and I'd be away from my family and I think family considerations is a consideration. Right now I can give 110% of my effort to the people of East Cork but I also have, as I say, a very, very young family and, you know, leadership would take you away from your family and I suppose I'm at a stage in my life where, you know, it's a fine balancing act between ensuring that you look after your family and also look after your voters and and that's really my reason, John Paul, you know. Yeah, that's the way you're going. Uh, Anthony says, Labour walked into the Fianna Gael nest and lost their soul under John Burton's reign and she also got the message this time around. Of course, there are good people in the party, but it is now not a good brand name, says Anthony. And on that, I mean, does the Labour Party need to be reformed? I mean, th- th- would, it, would it change? That given the fact that you have the same amount of seats now as Social Democrats, what is the future for the Labour Party and who is there to lead it? Well, I haven't lost my soul. That's the first thing I'll say. And anybody who meets me who doesn't think that there isn't fire in my belly about the issues, about social issues. When we were in government for five years, we had very difficult decisions because there was no money. In the four years since 2016, there's been a lot of money, but the money has been wasted and squandered and it hasn't been diverted to the people that needed the most in terms of services, public services. And I'm talking again, it goes back to, you know, education, health, hospitals, etc. And and I think that there is a role for the Labour Party, but I do believe that Anthony is right in that the brand is damaged, it's seriously damaged. But I also believe that there is a future because there are six of us. And I do, I do believe that the future of the Labour Party has to be about cooperating with like-minded parties. And that means cooperating with the Social Democrats. I think we have to leave our egos outside the door. I think if there are issues in which we can focus on and concentrate on and work with other parties on, then that's what we must do. We can't look within our own silo. We can't spend all this time navel-gazing about the future. I've all, I said it at the Parliamentary Labour Party meeting yesterday that we need to tear the whole edifice down and build it back up again. But the only way we build it back up again is by going back into the communities that we traditionally served, which we went away from. Uh, I I haven't gone away from those people because I spent the last four years getting back into those communities. I was taken away from those people when I was in government. And, and it's going to be about getting back in, knocking on doors, helping people on the ground, and you build it back up slowly. But we won't be able to do it on our own. We'll have to be able to cooperate 
with parties like the Social Democrats and the Dáil. And could they merge and Labour and Social Dems? Well, personally, I, I months ago I, I spoke about you know the idea of the Social Democrats and Labour, uh, you know, working together across a platform of shared values and shared policies. And I think that it could work. I don't see a merger on the cards anytime soon, but I do certainly see the opportunity for us to cooperate in the Dáil. As you know, we've ruled ourselves out of going into government because we just didn't receive a mandate from the people to go into government. No matter what happens, people don't want us in government. So, But I do believe that Sinn Féin now is in the seat. And I do believe there's an opportunity for parties like ourselves and Sinn Féin uh, to cooperate on issues like housing and education and and health, you know. And there's an opportunity, though, for all parties now, because I think people have just a signal as politicians that they want to see us working together. They don't want to see us working on partisan lines anymore. And the proof of that is Slaunch Care as a report was an all-party report, which, you know, hasn't seen the light of day yet, but all parties agreed it and signed off on it. I'm, I was on the Climate Action Committee. We signed off on a set of 42 recommendations, which were sensible recommendations that spoke to the, in relation to climate action, that spoke to the needs of farmers, spoke about, you know, you know renovating houses, but in, in a sensible way that doesn't compromise people's livelihoods. You know, it's not just about reducing the national herd. It's about recognising that if you've been a farmer for three generations and you've been growing beef, for instance, you know, on, on a good grass-fed, uh, basis, you can't just tell a person tomorrow morning you've got to stop, you know, you know, reduce your your herd numbers. We have to kind of work with farmers and work with people to try and, you know, give solutions. And I think what people are demanding now is that we all work together on this. And and that's the policy, that's the politics that that I want to be involved in. And I think instinctively that's where I'm at. So I I'll reach out. I'll work with Pat Buckley. I'll work with David Stanton. I'll work with James O'Connor. You know, I, I work with anybody if it means that we're working to the good of our communities, if we can leave our egos outside the door and not have to be wearing the jersey all the time. Because there are so many universal themes for which the solutions are there. It's just about people coming together to work on those solutions. And I think that's what people demand now. And that's certainly what I'll be part of, hopefully. OK, well, very finally, first of all, uh, Chris O'Donovan and the gang in Save From My Weir, they wish you the best, but also uh, there's a text in here, and if you could do this briefly, any update on the jobs from the Unpost workers in Little Island yet? I know there was a number of jobs at risk there. Is that matter still going on, or is, is that finished? Uh, I haven't been uh, in touch with the workers um, lately now, to be honest about it, and just on foot of this conversation, I reached out to one or two of them to see what's going on. Uh, because, uh, honestly, no, I, I, since the March... In Cork that day, I haven't had any contact. So that's something now that you've just put on my radar and I'll, I'll reach out to those people and maybe re- re-engage with them on, on the issue. Uh, and, and also in relation to the Weir, for instance, these are all local issues that I think the three or, sorry, four TDs can cooperate on. The Weir, for instance, I think is, is, is a vital piece of uh, infrastructure for the Blackwater, the Munster Blackwater, as the people in Dublin call it. And, you know, there's issues like that that I feel that I can cooperate with fellow TDs on. And that's about funding. And whoever forms the next government, whether it's Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael and the Greens, I think we have to keep the fight and the battle up to, to, to ensure that North and East Cork is well served. 
We still have a major issue, for instance, in East Cork at the moment, uh, where, you know, there's a serious shortage of school places. Similarly, for instance, in, in, in areas like Formoy, where there's a shortage of school places. And those are the issues that I feel strongly that if there's a Sinn Féin perspective, a Labour perspective, or, uh, you know, a, a Green perspective or a Fianna Fáil perspective. But at the end of the day, it's incumbent on all of us to work together, you know, to see how we can lobby the Department of Education, lobby the incoming Minister for Education on issues like, you know, school places, but also to lobby the incoming Minister for the OPW or for the Environment on, on issues like the weir. We have to cooperate now, and I think that's what people demand of us, John Paul. Okay, very finally, I know we mentioned three people there who could be in the role or in the contentionship, anyhow, the leader leadership for Labour. Who would you rather, if outside of those three names I've mentioned, a few texts are coming in, has Sean any preference on who he would like to see as Labour leader? Not only the ones I've mentioned there, is there any particular person you would like to see? Or maybe the I ones keep- I've mentioned there. I'm keeping my powder dry on that one, John Paul. Okay. Well, we'll see and await what happens, Sean. Thank you for joining us this afternoon and we'll we'll see what happens with the future of Labour and who the leader will be. Thanks for joining us. That's Cork East Deputy there, Sean Sherlock. Tim on text saying, yes, I agree with what Sean was saying there. A lot of money wasted over the last number of years. Another Tim saying, what a waste of money it was bailing out the FAI. Put some of that uh, towards health. On the issue of the churches, uh, text here, Sheila saying, my son, when he was younger, loved going to the churches in Kinmare and Gugan and other areas. He felt that he was closer to Jesus, but the posh ones in the city turned him off. And on the issue of the petrol prices and diesel prices, uh, Pat reacting to an earlier text from Dennis who says, well, if they're buying in uh, the actual barrel of oil in bulk at that particular higher price, then they're going to wait till that particular uh, barrel finishes before they charge the lower price. Pat says, well, the night of the budget, they can put the price up a bit nice. They don't wait then until their stocks, even though a lot of that has to do with tax. But we'll take your point, Pat, on text to 0862103103. A number of calls into Bernie as well regarding the issues of the church and other issues I'll get to those uh, as well on the programme this morning a lot of comments and we'll get to as many as we can but first of all on the election Michael Innes Cork says are Fianna Fáil in the real world at all it's the second worst result for them the third election Michal Martin has failed in and now they will not have anything to do with Sinn Féin well We'll have to wait and see about that first, Michael, now. But anyhow, I get your point. They won't have anything to do with Sinn Féin. Uh, he, me hold it is, should resign and let someone else take over Fianna Fáil or the party the people no longer want. And on the issue of uh, priests, Sean in Newcastle West says, who appoints the people on the pastoral councils? They seem to be hand-picked. He says their local priests were socialising with the community and a complaint went into the bishop about him because he was mixing too much with the ordinary people. Uh, so that brings in the whole elitist situation we discussed earlier with Father Roy Donovan uh, from Sean in Newcastle uh, West. Uh, thank you for your call, Sean. And Mary in Mallow was at communion last year. There was a huge crowd. The parish priest asked if the children would be brought back to the church for Mass on the Sunday, but only five children showed up, says Mary. The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie There will be a a blood donor clinic in the Cork Marathon for Moy this afternoon from 3 to 5 and 7 to 9 Kildallery Community Development will hold their weekly lotto draw, that's in Sheehan's Bar and that's on tonight, the jackpot there is €1,200 and the Barrymore Players Drama Group, they present an extra performance of Cash on Delivery. It's an hilarious comedy next Saturday, February 15th at 8pm in the Castle Lions Community.
community centre with proceeds in aid of Father Ferris Community Park and Marymount Hospital. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And just some breaking news across the morning and into the early afternoon here on Cork. You would have heard Barry with this at midday that two men have been arrested in connection with a major criminal assets bureau operation across Cork this morning. Uh, our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran is at Bandon Garda Station. Good afternoon to you, Fiona. <laughs> Good afternoon, JP. Uh, what's the latest on this and what has happened this morning? And where did these raids carry, where were they carried out here in Cork? Yeah, JP, there was 22 raids. 21 of them were in West Cork in the kind of greater Bandon area and one was in Tipperary. Now, there was a number of premises searched and they included 11 houses, four business premises, a hotel room and six professional premises such as solicitors and accountants' offices. Now, um, Cab, had moved, Cab and the local guardie here in Cork moved in at around 6 o'clock this morning. But this operation and the investigation has been ongoing now for the past 12 months. Um, and it came about because of a local cab profiler based here in Bandit who's been working on the ground and supplying information to cab officers. And um, they, they carried out these searches this morning and they seized a number of items, including 22,500 euro in cash, six high-powered cars, two Louis Vuitton bags and one Rolex watch. And um, two men were arrested, or two people were arrested, and they've been taken to Bandon Garda Station for questioning. Um, and Gardaí have told us here this morning, they just gave a press briefing there in the last half an hour, that um, that this has all centred on uh, one person who's understood to be a significant, um, understood to be a significant player in the drug business in West Cork. And... Um, the, the Garda investigation was centering on that person. And uh, the Garda have described this as a significant day, that it's a significant blow that's been dealt to the distribution of drugs in both Cork City and County. And what's the next stage now of this investigation, in particular, I suppose, to those arrested? Um, well, right now, as we're speaking, those cars that I spoke about are um, being removed from Bandon Garda Station on the back of two recovery trucks. Um, and as you can imagine, there's quite a few people around watching to see what's, what's going on. And um, the two people that were are, were arrested, one was arrested on foot of a bench warrant. So that person will be dealt with first. And then the other person will remain here for questioning. They've been arrested in connection with uh, drug offences. And um, the they will be questioned for for a number of hours here at Bandon Garda Station and they will either be charged or released. Now there was a number of um there was some drugs seized, small quantity of drugs seized as well this morning, as well as um a lot of documents as well. So, you know, this investigation will continue on now as well and I'm sure we'll hear more on this as over the next coming weeks. And you mentioned there about public interest. Was there a lot of the public gathering around the Garda station this morning while this was going on? Um, well, there's just a few now as these high-powered vehicles are being taken out. As you can imagine, there's a lot of people standing around now with their phones. Um, and um, just to let people know, because the guards did say to us that if anybody is um, videoing or putting photographs up on social media, do not put up the uh, number plates of the cars or any of the people who are involved in putting the cars up on the back of the truck. So just I see a lot of members of the public now with their phones out, and there's no doubt that those pictures will be circulated on social media but please just remember not to include the uh, number plates on the cars and 
Yeah, the guards also thanked uh, Super, Chief Superintendent Con Cadigan in his briefing here this morning to the media. He thanked the public because he said that over the last 12 months they've had a lot of um, people who have who have given them information with regards to drug dealing in and around this area um, and they said that that was vital in this investigation and they've thanked everybody for that information that's been given to them and they said that, you know, they want that to continue, that if anybody is aware of any kind of drug dealing in their area to contact ID and everything they say will be held in the strictest of confidence. Okay, Fiona, well thank you for that latest information on that breaking story. That is our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, live there uh, from Bandon Garda Station on that particular situation this morning. Two men arrested in connection with that major operation by the Criminal Assets Bureau uh, in Cork this morning and in the Bandon area, also uh, in Tipperary this morning, but uh, two arrests made there uh, from the Bandon area this morning and they are being, uh, as as, uh, Fiona said, held now there in Bandon Garda Station. So, We'll see what the next stage to that particular investigation is. You'll hear more, of course, across the afternoon on C103 News Bulletins. Now, your pet questions are welcome. Jane is along after the break. If you have a particular pet in your household that you have a question for, Jane, well, get it into us. 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us next. One uh, comment here I want to get out before we close the show. And this is from Margaret in Clonakilty. Because Margaret got a blowout last night near Inishannon in the pouring rain and a very nice man came to her rescue. Now he changed the wheel and he took her to the nearest garage to make sure she had enough air in her tyre. His name is Ben and he lives in Bandon so she wants to thank him for all his help. So Ben, if you're listening or if you know a Ben living in Bandon, well done Ben. And Margaret says thanks for all her help on her journey yesterday as she was leaving Inishannon to head to Clonakilty. So well done Ben. And Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins us as usual on a Thursday. Afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. Now, first of all, a lot of questions, and I'll get to um, this first one from Charnival. I know we all get calls Mm -hmm. uh, from across the county on this, and this is, do you know, or any vet know, uh, if there's going to be price reductions this year for getting cats spayed? Now, this person's, first of all, on about the Charnival area, but I presume Mm -hmm. anybody listening would like to know if that information, if that that is coming. I know there was a programme years ago Mm -hmm. that did allow this to happen. Mm -hmm. There was, though, unfortunately, as far as I'm aware, certainly in my locality and I would imagine a broader area around Cork, certainly in the south, I'm not aware of any, let's say, voucher scheme or price reduction um, system that's in in force for spaying or, or neutering cats. Now, occasionally these things come in waves. Some of the charities will set up a voucher scheme, um, which sometimes is means tested, sometimes not. Um, and, and that way you can get, let's say, the operation done for your pet for a little bit cheaper. But to be totally honest with you, these things haven't been around in a fair few years in our locality so it's not something I would anticipate. Now that said have a word with your vet in the Chalaville area just in case it's something local to them but as far as I'm aware there's nothing of, of that ilk at the moment. Okay and Nora in Mallow she has a terrier dog that keeps dragging his bottom along the ground now the vet treated his glands but it's still happening it's a Karen terrier dog why is that? Mm, that's a really interesting one so I think first of all well done for taking your pet to the vet um, for the, the scratching the bottom on the floor we affectionately call it scooting scooting the bottom um, is what we refer to it as and 
a lot of the time it can well be anal glands. So we have these two little glands, they're almost like scent glands um, that sit kind of at, at four and eight o'clock on, and on the bottom, as it were. And if they fill up a lot, sometimes they can become infected. They can cause a real amount of discomfort. And obviously the, the dog will want to scoot his little bottom to try and relieve some of the, the discomfort. Now, sometimes anal glands could be tricky to treat. Sometimes it's just that they're full and they need to be emptied and your vet may well have done that. Sometimes we may even have an infection and for which your vet may consider that antibiotics might be required sometimes it can be a little bit more tricky a lot of the time with dogs with anal gland problems it can be something that if they get an occurrence of a problem once it can peter on it can be a little bit different difficult to cure and in some some cases it's just managing it ongoing now that said there are other things that can cause discomfort at the back end so I'd say if things haven't settled down revisit your vet for a subsequent examination it might be that they need to do more investigations or a subsequent treatment but I think it's important as well to rule out the common other things like worms sometimes the little worm eggs can make the bottom area very very itchy and they'll they'll do a similar kind of scooting dragging the bottom along the floor so make sure you're up to date with your worm parasite control but I think a second visit to your vet is in order I think as 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 a vet, we always like to see our patients back if they're not doing so well. And we really trust in the owners to, they know them best at home. So I think visit your vet, let them know your concerns and they'll, they'll make a plan for you. Okay, and I mentioned there about the price reductions for getting cats spayed. And I know somebody wanted to know the Charnival area, uh, but uh, somebody here is saying that Castellan's vets in Skibbereen do and have done vultures for cats in the past. So that's one to check out if you want that service. And also Kristen Bandon has a Labrador who loves chewing on bones but as he gets older he cannot chew as much now they're afraid that as he is getting older he could choke now on the bones he's 11 years old a Labrador so should they refrain now from giving him bones? I think potentially that that's a good good shout I think a lot of the time let's say bone fragments and bone shards are some of the key things that we see as foreign objects within the the intestines and the stomach so things that get stuck and you can imagine let's say a little shard of bone a lot of the time they can be quite sharp and they can even pierce through pieces of the gut so a lot of the time they cause a big tummy ache even up to a serious life-threatening condition so I would normally recommend that let's say if the the bones that you buy are kind of big strong ones if you let's say the pet shop or or at your vets normally they'll be of sub you know a large enough size that we wouldn't expect shard fragments to to chip off or even some of the synthetic bones um they're made from rawhide or even made from kind of vegetable additives they're they're a little bit of a safer bet the interesting one with this one is if he's not able to chew it as well on the bones now as he once was that might be an indication that he has a little bit of mouth pain so it could potentially be that he might not be as keen to to chew and chomp on these bones because he might have a toothache. So I think if that is an obvious change and it sounds like it's something you've noticed at home, even if you can't see a you know a big bulging tooth or any abscess in the mouth, visit your vet because sometimes dental disease can be subtle. We always think about dental disease as being like an iceberg. You can only see the teeth on the top and most of the problem has been below the surface. So I think pop to your vet for just a dental assessment and make sure that everything's comfortable. And we were speaking there about cats being spayed and Melissa wants to know how often do cats go into heat when they're not spayed? I mean, how long does mm. each heat cycle last? You know, it's a little bit different for every cat. A lot of the time, um, cats are actually what we call induced ovulators. So it's it's kind of if if the the timing arises, um, they'll be able to release the eggs within their body and have a have a heat cycle, as it were. Um, it's very very irregular with cats, and it's generally dependent on how many male cats are around. 
Um, so not as predictable as the dogs. It's usually about six, mm. nine months. Okay, yeah. Avril, uh, her dog, he acts up like there's something stuck in his throat every now and again. Now, he does try to cough it up, but nothing is coming out. So she wants to know what is wrong. He's a terrier, but you can't figure out what could be wrong mm. with him. This is a really interesting one. If he's coughing like his, his throat is, like he has something stuck in the throat, a lot of the time we get a harsh kind of hacking cough. Sometimes if we have a, a throat or a lung infection and they can really be hacking, it's a very harsh cough sometimes sometimes even uh, similar when we get the equivalent of kind of the the human flu which will be kennel cough which is actually just a collection of different kind of bacteria and viruses that can cause a cough Um, and the classic symptom is this harsh hacking cough that starts all of a sudden think a visit to your vet sometimes these things blow over on their own but sometimes they might require antibiotics or anti-inflammatories but the important thing is it may not just be something and nothing sometimes we can get a cough for other reasons whether it be a, a problem within the airways in the chest or even something pressing upon the windpipe causing that kind of feeling of something stuck in your throat so I think a visit to your vet get them to examine the, the chest the mouth area just make sure there's nothing stuck because sometimes these things can actually be quite sneaky and, and stuck near the back of the throat um, but I think a visit to your vet is in order it may not be anything to worry about but God forbid it is something you just wouldn't want to miss it well, Okay very good Jane thank you for that back again next week with us uh, that's Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group mm-hmm. band that are coming to Cork this year for guys, for Irish guys, Westlife. They play Parky Cueve on Friday 28th and Saturday 29th of August. It's Valentine's Day tomorrow and you could win your way there. Listen out to us from 6am to win your way to Westlife tomorrow here at C103. Nick is next and Martina from Forward. Thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced I'm John Paul McNamara. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.